You're listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville and Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. As we step into chapter five, we're gonna kinda we're gonna kinda jump around a little bit before we get to the title. So if you're taking notes, if you're one of the people like my wife that diligently takes notes, just leave a little room somewhere for the title, because we'll get to that here in a little bit. The premise, the entire premise of chapter five can be summed up in verse one. It's very simple. It says this, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That's it. You could stop chapter five over there. It could be chapter five, verse one, chapter six, because that's the whole theme of chapter five is freedom. Paul is basically saying, Christ set us free. You should be free. Christ sets you free, so act like it. Stop not acting like it. Stop going back under slavery. Stop putting a yoke of slavery back on. Just be free. Be free people. But he has to address a couple of things before he gets to talking about freedom. And that's in verses 2 through 12. That's when he, he talks about what Eric was talking about a couple weeks ago where, where the Judaizers were pressuring people and talking about adding the, about the circumcision being a part of, of faith. And, and Paul stresses, look, it's faith in Christ, and that's it. it. Like I said, it's God plus nothing. There's, there's no addition, there's no addendum, there's no footnote, nothing. It's just faith in Christ. But he, he explains it in a way that, that, that opens the, hopefully, opens the eyes of the people. He says, look, if you go back to the law, what that's doing is it's cutting us off through Christ. It's asking God to judge us for our works rather than what Christ did. It's a, it, it, he's, saying, he's saying, look, if you add that back, then you're asking for what it was before, so stop doing that. In verses 7 through 12, he, he, gets, he gets a little blunt. He gets a little pragmatic. He asks the question, he's like, you know, you guys were doing really good. What happened? Who jacked you up? Somebody came in and started talking trash, and, and now all of a sudden, your whole view is crazy. He's a little more eloquent when he says that he says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I just say, who jacked you up? Someone started talking mess and you bought into it. That's just, that's, that's what he's saying. He addresses, because what had happened is somebody, and we don't really know who, but somebody had started saying that Paul was preaching these things. So it, they're saying, hey, Paul's preaching this, so it has to be true. And if it's true, then this is what we need to do. So Paul basically, he throws it back. And, and this, this is what I love about it. When he, he, when he addresses this rumor that he's been preaching about circumcision, and this may date, I know it totally dates me, but it may date some of you in the room. Do you guys remember the TV show Sanford and Son? No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, Fred Sanford in there had a son. His name was Lamont. And whenever he would talk to Lamont, he'd say, Lamont, you big dummy. And that's how I felt when, when, when Paul was reading, when he was talking about this, he's like, Galatians, you big dummies, stop. Look, if I'm preaching circumcision, if I'm doing what you're saying that I'm doing, then why am I still being persecuted? If, if that's what I'm doing, the whole, the whole offense of the cross is taken out of the mix, so why am I still being persecuted? Don't be dumb. I'm not doing it. But if you want to, if, whoever it is, he addresses in verse 12, love this. He addresses the person or people who were these false teachers. And he says, look, if they're teaching falsely, I wish that they would go further than circumcision and talk about castration. 
Basically he's saying, look, if you're going to lie about it, make it good. Make it worth it. Paul was raw. He's like, look, if you're going to lie about it, don't just trim it. Take it all. I'm telling you, this is how he is. He just lays it out there. He's like, look, you can't talk about it if you're not going to make it good. He just pulls this matter-of-fact piece into it. Just like, open your eyes, people. Open your eyes. The whole reason that he does that is because when it gets to chapter, or to verse 13 through 15, he says, look, if you open your eyes and you understand that that's not true, then you get to start to truly walk in the freedom that Christ provided us. The true freedom that Christ provided us and we get to walk in love. And if we walk in love and if we take that love and we use it for each other, it says the whole law was, was, was summed up in, in one word, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It, if we use that, he's saying, if you, do, if you use love for that and you're not using it against each other, then and only then do you get to experience true freedom. And that sets us up for our key text this week. We're halfway through the chapter and Paul brings the hammer. But it's not in a way that makes you be like, oh my goodness, this sucks. No, he brings it in a way that makes you start to think. He starts to explain that we can't defeat the flesh on our own. We can't. We can't do it on our own. We need to lean into the spirit rather than even try it by ourselves. Because it's only with the spirit that are are we able to do what he's calling us to do, to walk in that freedom. Stand with me as we read the word of God, if you would, please. Galatians chapter 5, verses 15, chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. That's good. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and (laughs) self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Let me read verse 24 again. And those who who belong to Christ, who Christ Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, and let us not be conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Father, I thank you for just spelling it out for us, for spelling out the, the, the works of the flesh that we deal with on a daily basis. Lord, thank you for, for identifying to us the fruits of the Spirit that, that come as we fight against the flesh. Thank you for not only identifying it, but giving us a game plan and a way to fight against it. Father, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Walking, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I think you guys know me well enough to know that. And if you don't, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to lie to you. Walking with the Spirit is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. We have to be on high alert all the time. We have to be attentive to what's going on around us. And 
in addition to, we have to be receptive to identifying the things that we struggle with. This is a personal thing. If you struggle with something, you have to know what you struggle with before you can even fight it. You can't go to the Spirit and say, Spirit, I need, all of, I need your help in these things without knowing what you're struggling with. The Spirit knows, but we have to profess it. We have to talk to God. We can only fight against the flesh with the Spirit. But in order to do that, we have to, or when we do that, we have to do one thing. Let's get to the root of what it is. Get to the root of what's causing that struggle. Where do those desires originate? Why are they there? And how do we crucify them to walk, with, to walk in freedom? Those are the things that we have to, look, you can't put a Band-Aid on a gushing wound. You have to understand, you have to clean it out, you have to get, to, you have to get down to it and start to heal it from the bottom. And that brings me to the title of this week's message. Nearly 31 years ago, on September 24th, 1992, the female group in Vogue released a song that, according to Larry Flick from Billboard, was, quote, within a driving guitar-angered pop rock setting, and the group attacks well-crafted lyrics on racism with unrelenting passion and its trademark harmonies. It will jolt many at first, like this series, but ultimately will open many eyes. That song and our title for today is Free Your Mind. And the rest will follow. And you, really? Nobody? Yeah. Nobody? Come on. Come on. I thought it was coming for sure from over here. You guys are like, I don't even know the song. God. I, 31. I know. I know. I know. Golly. Yeah, exactly. I'll give you another one. That's Pastor Mark up there with the hammer pants doing dancing to free your mind. That's, he did it. Why do I say free your minds and the rest will follow? Because here's the thing. When, we, when our minds are clear and we've freed our minds, our body will follow. Our actions will follow. When we're not hindered in our mind, our actions will follow. And let me just give you, just, this one's just a free piece. When your mind is free and your body and your actions follow freedom, your family will follow too. People will follow too. Your friends will follow too. Because you're walking in freedom. As I looked through this list and I was, I was, I was studying for, for this message, I found that often a lot, of these, a lot of these works of the flesh, a lot of these traps of the flesh, really kind of fell into three areas that, that I could identify. First one is emotional deficiency. Second one is, is FOMO or the desire to fit in. And the third one is personal fulfillment. Yes, that there, there are other things that, other categories that it could fall into, but as I was thinking about each one of these works of the flesh, they always dropped into one of those places, one of those areas. Look at, look at emotional deficiency or trauma. Let me, explain, let me give you an example. Say, say there's, there's a person, man or woman, who didn't receive or didn't feel appropriately loved from their father. Whatever that looks like. Maybe they were absent. Maybe, maybe they were abused. Whatever that looks like. Maybe they, whatever it is, they didn't feel an appropriate type of love from their father. Oftentimes what happens is then they turn around and search for that in the world. And the world is more than happy, more than happy to fill that need, more than happy to fill that hole. And what's that result in? Works of the flesh, sexual immorality, sensuality, impurity. When we have a desire to fit in or this fear of missing out, 
It's the same thing. As a society, ladies and gentlemen, as a society, we face more opportunities for the fear of missing out or the desire to fit in than on levels we've never seen before, ever, ever. Why? Two words, social media. There are more than 4.89 billion, with a B, billion social media accounts. That's 60% of the global population. And of that, and here's the mind-blowing statistic of that, it, or that represents, that 4.89 billion represents 90% of internet users. 90% of internet users have a social media account. It's no wonder this fear of missing out, this desire of fitting in, that all of the, the works of the spirit, the, fle the, the works of the flesh, all of those things start to drop into this fear of missing out. That's why we see kids eating Tide Pods. That's why we see people getting second, third degree burns from, from, from stupid challenges. That's why we see electrical fires being started. You wanna, you wanna see the, the, the insane things? Just get online and type in dumbest social media challenges. I mean, there was a whole list of them. I, some of them I've never heard of. I'm like, people are doing this? Are you kidding me? But why? Because they're afraid of not belonging. They're afraid of not being in. They're afraid of, of not being a part of what's going on. These are things that we would never, ever do, ever do, ever consider doing until it was easily publicized and easily shared. It becomes, it's this new evolution. See, just because the, there's a list of the works of the flesh doesn't mean they don't evolve into something else. This is just a new evolution of envy, of idolatry. Oh, wait, what do you mean idolatry? It's, it's social media. It's not, I, yeah, but you know what? I would be willing to bet that those who struggle with this hang their hat on that thumbs up, hang their hat on that little heart. Why? Because, because you're, you're elevating people's opinions above common sense. It doesn't, make, it doesn't make it worth it if I put a whole lot of work into a video and then I share the video and the video gets viewed three times. Well, then all of a sudden I start to, I start to come down on myself. But if I start getting those hearts and those likes, okay, now, now I'm elevating it to something that it was never meant to become. We're putting it above God. We're putting it above all these things. It becomes our God. It becomes what we want. Oftentimes that, that FOMO and that, that, uh, that, that the, uh, the desire to fit in fits in with personal fulfillment. They kind of cross lines here. Add in there, Emotional, uh, the, the emotional piece and, and trauma and things like that, they all start working in concert. Personal fulfillment, it's the basic desire to make yourself happy by fulfilling your goals. My basic desire to make myself happy by following my goals, by accomplishing my goals, by doing it myself, not the basic desire for God to come work in my life. My desire to fulfill my goals it's a very me-centered approach. You know, for folks my age, the, the 80s movies were filled with this. They were filled with it, the work hard, play hard. We read the quote, or we heard the quote that James Dean said. He said, he said live fast, die young, and leave a good-looking corpse. And we grabbed that, and we're like, yes, that's us. We're going to work hard. We're going to climb that corporate ladder. I'm going to do it. I'm going to step on every neck that I need to just to get to where I'm going because 
I'm going to be somebody. I'm going to be feared. I'm going to be loved. I'm going to be respected. I'm going to work my butt off to do it. That generation very easily began to operate in rivalries, in dissensions, in divisions, in drunkenness. You name any of those works of the flesh. It's very simple. It's very easy. Why do we struggle against it? Because the world says it's okay. The world says it's normal. It's normal to do that. It's normal to to wanna climb the corporate ladder and and not care who you step on to get there. That's normal, don't worry about it. You'll get past it. It's a work of the flesh. We have to identify these things. We have to see them. That's why sometimes when we're operating in one of these works of the flesh, after we've done it for a while, we start to kind of feel that conviction piece. Like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have thrown so-and-so under the bus just to get promoted. Maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I shouldn't have, have, have gone to the club last night and, and went home with that person because, you know, I, I really didn't want to do that. We start to feel that conviction. And so we try and address it by ourselves. And all it does is it, it hides, it changes, and manifests in another way. Comes up in something different. Comes up in looking at a different way. If you take our three examples, look at, look at emotional deficiency, and we, and we talked about somebody you know, who, who may have daddy issues for whatever reason, but they've dealt with that. Okay, I'm good. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not out at the club. I'm not running around. I'm not catting around. I'm not doing those things anymore because I'm done with it. I felt that conviction. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to surround myself with this group of friends, and all of a sudden, those friends start filling my bucket, and now I start feeling good. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not doing this anymore, but I got a group of people that's lifting me up and, and that's, that's doing all the right things and saying all the right things. And then one night, they say, hey, I know it's a Wednesday. I know it's a Tuesday. I know you got work tomorrow, but let's go out. Let's go to the bar. I know I shouldn't, but I'm afraid of missing out. And now all of a sudden, that sexual immorality that I dealt with has now changed to envy, to jealousy, You see, I didn't deal with it right. I didn't get to the root of it over here. And so now it turns around and it manifests in another way over here. That's why it's so important to address the root in order to walk with the Spirit. That's what Paul was explaining through the list. And here's what I would ask you. If you read through this list, it sounds very much like those same things are in operation today. And if that's the case, if those same things are in operation today, doesn't it stand to reason that the same way that we would fight them is the same way we had to then? If Paul's giving us a list saying, here are all the things that you, that you fight against, and here's how, you can, here's how you can fight against it, 2,000 years, it seems like if the list is the same, the fight would be the same. How do we do it? We wake up. We give ourselves to God every single day. And we start our path again. Luke 9, 23 says, Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross, not one time, not one time and say the sinner's prayer and all of a sudden I'm all forgiven. Daily. It's a daily fight. It's a daily fight that we have to fight. But look, here's the thing. This is the, this is the tough part about this daily fight is we're gonna wake up We're going to say, okay, God, I'm ready. And the enemy's already setting traps because guess what? He doesn't take a day off. The enemy doesn't get a Sabbath. 
The enemy doesn't get a Sabbath. He doesn't take a day off. He's setting those traps in the flesh for us. If you struggle with drunkenness, guess what? You're going to get a party invite. If you struggle with jealousy, guess what? Somebody's going to get what you've been yearning for. If you struggle with anger, your wife, your kids, your husband are just going to start grating on your nerves. If you struggle with impurity, you're going to get that text message or that email that just edges over the line. Why? Because the enemy's setting the traps. He's setting those for all of us. We have to be able to recognize where those traps are. And, and how do we do that? We identify the things that we used to struggle with or that we struggled with, and then we start to be on alert to watch out for them. But what's even more important is that we quickly realize when we're operating one of these works of the flesh. We have to. We have to realize very quickly that if we start to operate in one of these, if we step in one of these traps, that we have to stop. There's two places that the enemy doesn't have to set traps ever because it will ensnare us every single time. Complacency and boredom. Those two places, the enemy will sit and he lays it out. Because when you get complacent, you get comfortable. I don't need to read my word today. It's fine. I'm good. I got it. I'm bored. I'm sitting around on the Sabbath. Got nothing going on. No work. I'm just kicking back. Eh, my mind's starting to wander a little bit. Boom. You're in a trap. We're in a trap. But how do you know when you're in a trap? The fruits of the Spirit aren't evident in your life anymore. The fruits of the Spirit aren't evident in your life when you're walking and working in a trap of the flesh and you're in works of the flesh. Fruits of the Spirit aren't operating in your life anymore. You can't see them. If you're missing love, if you're missing joy, if you're missing patience, look for places maybe that you have anger, jealousy, rivalries. Maybe you're striving for something. All of a sudden, your joy goes away. If all of a sudden you start lacking in self-control, Look for places that maybe you have sexual immorality or impurity or sensuality. Oh, Pastor Josh, I, mm -mm. nope, don't think so. Those, you could just check those off the list because it's not gonna happen. Let me tell you something. That guy or that girl that walks by that you do a double take at, sensuality. The email, the over the line flirty text that you've been seeing, that you've been sending or receiving, maybe you're not even on the receiving end of it or maybe you're not sending, you're just on the receiving end of it impurity. That website, that picture, that fantasy that keeps coming back to mind, sexual immorality. Matthew 5.28 says this. Jesus says this, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ladies, that goes for you too. You look at a man with lustful intent, guess what? In your heart, you're already committing adultery. Why do I hammer on these ones? Why do I sit on these three? Why do I focus on sexual immorality, sensuality, and purity? Because the world does. The world does. The world puts it out there. It's everywhere. You can't flip on Netflix. You can't flip on anything without seeing something. You can't pull up a sports page and read, read about your team without seeing an ad. You can't get away from it. So we have to be hyper aware of what's going on so that we can fight it correctly. Every day, every day we sacrifice the fruits of the Spirit on the altar of self-gratification. We say that to you again, because I really want that to land. We sacrifice the fruits of the Spirit 
on the altar of self-gratification every day. Why? Because we justify our flesh. We justify our flesh. Look, you guys, I'm not standing up here preaching a condemning message. I am in this boat with you. I struggle. My wife was at the first service. I made this kind of offhanded comment. I was like, just ask my wife. She's like, it's true. I was like, what? Ugh. Totally caught me off guard. Totally caught me off guard. But there are things that, that I struggle with. You know, I mean, look, it's not always, it's not always, you know, peaches and cream and roses and butterflies at the Clendenin house. There's times where, where my wife is wrong and she just won't admit it. Notice she's not here, right? She's not here this service, so I can say that. First, per, first person that texts her the time code, timestamp on this, we're having it, we're fighting. No, I'm just kidding. No, but there are things, Liz, don't you dare. <laughs> but this is truth. This is truth. I mean, real talk. You can't imagine, and, and, and I, won't, I won't speak for anybody else in this place, but I, I, I can't, I don't want you to sit there and think that, that as, a, as a pastor in this place, as somebody who, who deals with day-to-day -day operations in this place that has this mantle, I don't want you to sit here and think that life is rosy and things are perfect. Things are stressful. There's arguments, there's disagreements, but at the end of the day, that doesn't change our commitment. At the end of the day, just because we may be angry doesn't mean that we're, we're not going the same route. We're, we're working on things and we work through things. And if I can find those pieces in my heart, what is it that, that, that we argued about that caused me to be angry? What is it that I can let go with, that I can partner with the Spirit so that we can be better on the other end? So don't take this message as like, oh, you're doing wrong. You, you, you. No, 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 no. This is me. I'm, the sa I'm in the same boat with you. We're all rowing the same way. We're all rowing the same way. But we justify our fleshly desires every single day because the world tells us it's okay. We're willing to put on that yoke of slavery because we don't want to change and be different from what the world says. We don't want to be uncomfortable from what the world says. But we're called to be. We're not called to be in the world. When we walk in the Spirit, when we walk in step with the Spirit, the fruits are evident in our life. It's just, if you have the fruits of the Spirit that are evident in your life, just like the spiritual gifts, don't hide them. Share them. Walk in joy. Because here's what's going to happen. Someone's going to walk up to you and they're going to be like, man, there's something about you. Pastor Raphael, there's something about you. What is it? He's, I, I just walk with God. I just love Jesus. And they're going to drain joy off of him. They're going to pick that low-hanging fruit because, you know, the world's going to tell you, hey, low-hanging fruit, that's bad. you got to go to the top where it's riper and it catches more sun. Not when it comes to the fruits of the Spirit. The ones that, the, the low-hanging fruit is just as ripe as the ones on top. The great thing about the low-hanging fruit, it's available for everybody at every age, at every height. The low-hanging fruit's available for everybody. Don't ever, please, please don't ever discount low-hanging spiritual fruit. Why? Because somebody who's crawling Somebody who, who has been through the trenches, somebody who's just starting to get back up on their feet might need to reach up and grab joy. And if you put your fruit up high, they can't do it. Let them walk through, let them crawl up and snatch onto that. And it's your job to plant that seed. Let them come to you. Let them come to you. Walk with a free mind. You have to, all of us, we have to identify those areas that we struggle with. It's not easy. 
It's not. Man, I'm just going to talk to you for a second. This is your call. This is your wake-up call. This is my wake-up call. Stop jacking around. It's time to get up and stand up in the man that God called you to be. It's time to stand up and walk in the, walk in the way, walk in lockstep with the Spirit so that the fruits of the Spirit come out of you naturally and watch your kids and watch your wife and watch your house come back into order. Every day we are hit, we are bombarded with things that will twist our mind, things that will turn us inside out, things that will take us to a place where we don't wanna be and we won't realize it until we're too deep. My dad always had a saying, when you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. If you find yourself in that spiritual, that, that, that hole, that fleshly hole, wherever it is, whatever it is, whatever one, of these, whatever one of these works it is that you're struggling with, stop digging. First thing, stop digging. Second thing, call for help. We as men don't like to call for help. We don't. It's not natural to us. We don't want other people to know our dysfunction. Well, guess what? We're all dysfunctional but in Christ we're made whole. In Christ we have no dysfunction. In Christ we're made functional. That's what we need to do. Ladies, this is your time to stand up. Be a strong woman. Understand the, the things that are working through you. Maybe you have anger. Maybe you find the root. What is it? What caused it? And deal with it. Address it. This is not, okay, I need to stand up here and, and tell everybody, this is, here's my business. No, no, no. This is between you and God. God, come into my life. Pull this root. Help me. Help me. Because if not, if you aren't doing that and you're just walking around looking like a good Christian, I use this analogy in the first service. My grass in my front yard is a beautiful green bed of weeds. It looks fantastic when it's mowed. But if I don't address the root of the weeds, that's all it's going to be. And think about it like this. It may look good. It may feel good when you step in it, but it doesn't change the nature of what it is. You may look good. You may feel good. People may look at you and be like, man, that person's got it all together. That guy or that girl, they got it all together. But inside, you're nothing but weeds. Address it. Find the root. Find the root. Yank it out. Sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes, it, most times, it's not going to look how you think it should. Most times, it's not going to come out the way that you think it should. But I know I've pulled enough weeds in my flower bed, which you can't tell, so don't drive by my house because it looks terrible right now. But I've pulled enough weeds to know that if you don't get the whole thing, if you leave just one little piece... We had mint, side note, we had mint. We planted it in one spot, killed it, threw them away. Guess what? It's, a, it's all over my yard. I love mowing the lawn because it smells nice, but man, that stuff takes over because you don't get the whole thing, one little bit. Like Paul said, a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump. Here's what I want to do today. I'm going to lead you to two places. I'm going to lead you to two places as we, as we get ready to close. So if you were taking notes, thank you. Go ahead and close your book. Because this, this part 
is really between you and God. This part is really what God is revealing to you. I want you to close your eyes. Every eye closed in this place. Just take a moment. As the band gets, gets set up, just take a moment. Just open up and ask God. Just say, okay, God, I'm, I'm here. Please listen to me. Please see my heart. See my heart, Lord. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this list of the fruits of the Spirit. And if, it, if, it, if there's one of these fruits that, that you really need more in your life, just raise your hand, and then you can put your hand down. Be bold. Be bold. Tell God, Lord, this is what I need. Do you need more love? If you do, raise your hand. Yeah. And you can put your hand down. What about joy? Do you need more joy? Amen. Amen. What about peace? Do you need more peace in your life? Amen. Amen. What about patience? Amen. Yeah. Kindness. Any more kindness? Amen. Yes. Goodness. Goodness of God. Yes, Jesus. Faithfulness. Yeah, amen. Gentleness. Amen. Self-control. Amen. Lord, you've seen the hands raised today. You've seen your people. You know their cries. You know what they need. Lord, I ask that you reveal to them the root of the flesh, of the root of the work of the flesh that sowed into them something that, that is preventing them from having these fruits grow in their life. Lord, you know the hearts of your people. Meet them where they are. God, they may not be able to cry out to you in words, but let their spirit cry out to you today. Let their spirit cry out to you saying, God, I need this fruit. Something is keeping me from you. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to commune with you. I want to wake up and see you. I want to wake up and feel you. God, please be with your people. Thank you so much for listening to this message. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multi-generational, multicultural community of believers passionately pursuing Jesus, family, freedom, and unity in the body of Christ. If you would like to connect with us, visit us at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook and Instagram.